called We Are Family. All right? And, and every week I've done it, so I'm going to do it. We are family. Come on, y'all. Yeah, you got it? I got all my brothers and sisters with me. And I, got, I had to throw in sisters, too. We are family. So we are family because we're the body of Christ. Amen? And last week I brought a message that's the, about the body and the blood. The body and the blood. We are one body. There's one body. Look at somebody next to say, you're part of the body. And here's the thing about it. Look at somebody on the other side. Say, you're part two. Here's the thing about it. The Bible says this, okay? The Bible says that we're part of the same body, and the hand cannot say to the eye, I don't need you. So it means you can't look at somebody next to you and go, I don't, you're, you know, I don't know if you're part or not. You might be part, but I don't need you right? You can't do that. We need each other. Did you hear me? We need each other. So look at somebody else and say, we need each other. Yeah, it's easy when you're looking at your spouse, right? But is anybody, is anybody going to be honest in this place this morning? Has anybody ever felt like, you know, you just wanted to avoid some people in the body? Anybody? Okay, thank you for some of your hands way up there high, and some of you are like, <laughs> one of those numbers, you know what I'm saying? We've all felt that way. We've all felt, there's no one in here that can say, I've never felt that way. I've never felt like, ugh, right? And if you are, if, if, you, if you really are, you're like, man, I've never felt like, ooh, they're weird, then they're thinking that about you. You know, you've heard that before, right? You don't think you've ever thought anybody in the body was weird, then you're the weird one. Um, we all, listen, not only have we all felt that way about somebody, but at some time or another, somebody's felt that way about us. Like, I don't need them. I don't need that in my life. I don't want to be around that. I don't want to be around them. But we are the body of Christ, and we can't say to each other we don't need each other. Imagine, imagine for a moment if you told one of your feet, I don't need you, right? Imagine. I mean, then you're doing this, and you're not functioning like you should, like you were designed to function as the body, okay? I used to do this thing when I was a kid. Um, actually, I did it when I was an adult, too, because um, I guess I've always been a kid. But um, I would do this thing where I would, like, pretend like I couldn't see and try to, you know, see what it would be like to, to navigate without seeing anybody ever do that. Or I'd pretend I wouldn't have my right arm because I'm right-handed and try to do things only with anybody ever try that before. That's weird, isn't it? Like, and you're, you're like, and I'd do it for a couple minutes and then I'd be like, get so tired of that. They're like, no, I got to have this hand, you know, I got to have this hand because it's, it's weird when you try to do something without a part of the body that you're, you're used to. And we, as the body of Christ, need to understand that as a family of God, we need each other. You may not understand or see the function. You may not fully grasp or understand it, but when that part of the body is not functioning and working like it should, it affects the entire body. We're all stalled, halted in our tracks when the entire body's not working together. So we've been talking about this. I talked about it last week with you, and, and I really talked about there's one thing 
that we all have in common, okay? Because the body's different. We're all different parts, different places, different pieces, and we have different functions, and that's great. That's how it should be. We should be different. We shouldn't all look the same and act the same. Amen? Come on, church, you should get a big amen right there because I grew up in a church that everybody tried to look the same and act the same and dress the same, and anybody know what I'm talking about? And it was weird, right? It's weird. And I remember growing up, and I remember when I was first a minister, and I'm going to talk about this just for a second and move on, but when I was first a minister in the in the church and uh, in fact when I went to take the testing to become a minister my first level of licensing in this denomination and I went to take the test and I had just come from a job where I was grilling a bunch of stuff for 3,000 people we were catering I was in food service and I was grilling so I had, it was in Chattanooga Tennessee and I had shorts on and I had a polo shirt on and I was sweating like crazy and I took my apron off and wiped the sweat and I ran drove over to the state office to take the test and I went in there like that with a ball cap on And when I walked in, all the officials and dignitaries and all the important people were standing there in their three-piece suits with ties looking at me like this. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I ran in, and I'm just trying. I got, I got a family. I got three kids. I'm working my tail off in food service, and I just want to... I just want to take this test because I know the Lord called me into ministry and I'm there and they're all looking at me and I sit down to take the test and as I begin to open the test and they say, go start, start the test, I, 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 hear, I feel this person over my shoulder and I look and it's the state overseer of our de- of denomination there and he slips me a little note and then walks away and I open up the little note and I was hoping the note would say, man, you're awesome, and I love you, and I hope you have a great time on this test and do great. Man, you're amazing. I think you're going to pass this test. You know, I was hoping it'd say that, but no, it said, please remove your hat. And, and, and here's the thing. I couldn't think about anything else the rest of the test but the eyes that were looking at me and judging me. Oh, come on, y'all. That did not know me. And did not know my heart. And did not know where I came from or where I was going. But thank the Lord Jesus was with me. And he knows my heart. And he knew where I came from. And he picked me up out of that and set my feet on a solid rock. And thank the Lord by the grace of God, it was the Lord. I can say this was a true miracle. I passed that test. Thank the Lord, because he had, he had to have done that, because I couldn't think of any answer, you know. In fact, I thought about doing the whole Christmas tree thing, you know. But, and I left there, and I left there and said, I don't ever want to be a part of this church or this denomination or a movement like this. And I went back to the job and finished my job that day, and they called me and they said, will you please come back and do the interview with us that you skipped out on. I said, no, I don't want any part of that. No, thank you. And they said, please, please come back. And I know some of you heard this story, but for whatever reason, it's not here. I just feel like the Lord told me to say this this morning. So I went into, I went back home, told my wife about it, told Kim, and she said, well, you're going to go back? And I said, I don't want to. 
And then I got this feeling like I should, probably the Lord saying you should do this. And so then I went into my closet, I got a shower, I went in my closet, and I got the best suit I had. I mean, it was cool. It was a maroon jacket. And back in those days, maroon jackets were cool. Like you were holy if you wrote, wore a maroon jacket, you know. And I got that on, and I got all, I got all spiffed up and got everything, and and I drove over there and walked in, and I promise you, they didn't even, I walked right past them, they didn't even recognize me. And I stood there and I looked at them and I said, they said, can I help you? And I said, yeah, you asked me to come back and do the interview. I'm here to do the interview. They said, oh, you're, you're Bill Wall. I said, yep. And they said, well, come on in. And they sat down and they started to say, well, why did you leave? And I said, because of how you looked at me and what you did and the note that you passed me and I just went off on a 30 minute rant on them about judging people and about this is I don't want to be a part of a cookie cutter movement that people all look the same and act the same I thought the body of Christ was supposed to be all different people joined together as one and by the end of that interview, they were apologizing and asking me, please be a, this is what they said, please, we need men like you as part of this denomination. And I went home and prayed about it. And if I, when I did, I, the Lord said, I want you to be a part of this. And so here I am 30 years later in this denomination as a part of this. And, and God has done tremendous things. But here's the thing, we're supposed to look different when I became a pastor, this is just me. I don't, I, this is how I like to dress. I'm comfortable like this. Is that okay? I'm comfortable like this. I, I don't like ties. Okay? I'll wear a jacket every once in a while. I wear a tie when I do a wedding or a funeral if they want me to because I want to do it for respect of the family. But when I'm preaching or when I'm doing something in this church or in this denomination, this is how I dress. You know? In fact, this is dressed up for me. I might have a hoodie on next week. Um, but we're supposed, to, we're supposed to all be different. Okay? Be who God created you to be. Okay? Can you look at somebody and say one more thing to them? Say, be you. Be you. Don't try to be me. Don't try to be that other person. Be you. Let God use that God-given personality that he created in you. It's unique. It's different. There's nobody like you, Dave. Thank the Lord. Just <laughs> right. And you would say the same about me. Look, it, seriously, it, we need each other the way God created us to be. I don't need you to be like somebody else. I need you to be you. You need me to be me. Amen? All right. So we talked about the blood. The blood is the one thing we have in common. We're all different, but we have the blood in common, the blood of Jesus. The, the same blood flows through your spiritual veins that throw, flows through my spiritual veins. And that is important. You need to understand the blood. If you don't understand the blood, then it's hard to understand how we are one and how we are united together. Amen? Because we're different. All right, so last week I gave you a couple scriptures. I'm not going to get into, like, read in depth. 
I'm just going to do a quick recap. Deuteronomy 12.23 says, But never consume the blood, for the blood is the life, and you must not consume the lifeblood with the meat. And then John 6.54-56, Jesus said, But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person on the last day, for my, blood is, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I remain in him. So God said, don't drink the blood of the, the old sacrifices, the old covenant. Don't drink the blood because the, the life is in the blood. So Jesus comes and he says, you must drink my blood. Right? Okay? You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. If you don't, you have no life. Same word is used here. It's the word zoe. That means your true life. Your spiritual life, your true life in God. So Jesus is saying, you have to drink my blood or you have no life in you. Now, this is not physical blood. This is spiritual blood, right? We take communion that we have here like we did last week. We do that to remember the body that was broken, Jesus' body that was given for us, and to remember the body of Christ, and also to remember the blood that was poured out for us. That pure blood, that true blood, that righteous blood, there's only one blood like it. Amen? It's the blood of Jesus. So we take communion, we receive communion to remember that, okay? So your real life, your present life, your future life, it's all in the blood of Jesus. Amen? Without the blood of Jesus, you have no life. Amen? Last week I told you that the, the physical body, every cell in this body has to have constant contact with blood, if, you're, if, if the cells of your body do not have constant contact with blood, they will die. Is that true? Yes, it's true. I checked. Okay? I checked it all out. I made sure all my, my facts were right on this. You have to have constant contact with blood, every cell, or it will die. All right? So why would we think that the body of Christ would not have to have constant contact with the blood of Jesus? If we don't have constant contact with the blood of Jesus, we will die. Right? We're parts of the body. And so you have to have constant contact with the blood. And you have to understand that there are components to the blood that are important. So last week I told you about two components to the blood. I talked to you about the red blood cells and the white blood cells. Right? Red blood cells bring life. They bring oxygen. Okay? They transport oxygen to the rest of the body from the lungs, and then they transport car, uh, car, uh, the uh, carbon monoxide back, back to the lung, carbon dioxide back to the lungs to be exhaled. Okay, out. Right. So red blood cells transport life or bring life. White blood cells, what do they do? Protect. They protect. They fight off infection. They fight off invaders. They fight off things. Red blood cells make up about 40% of our blood. White blood cells make up 1% of our blood. Okay, so red blood cells bring life, oxygen. White blood cells protect, fight off invaders that are trying to attack us. And I gave you a scripture last week, I'll give it to you again at the end of the message today, that shows us all the components of blood found in scripture. Jesus said in John 15, verses 1 through 7, that I'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Okay, he said... He, he cuts off every branch of mine that does not produce fruit, and he prunes it, the branches that do bear fruit so that they pr will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Now watch verse 4. Jesus said, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot uh, be fruitful unless you remain in me. 
Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Jesus is simply saying here, if you want to have life, you have to remain in him. And his word has to remain in you. His blood has to be flowing through you. Period. Okay? You cannot cut off the blood supply and live. You can't do it. All right? So there's not one person in all of creation who can experience true life without the constant life-giving blood of Jesus. Colossians 3.3 says, For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. All right? Same word, zoe, your real life. So I'm going to give you two more components today. All right? The last two. There's red blood cells, there's white blood cells. Number three, there's platelets. Platelets. Okay, so unlike red and white blood cells, platelets are not actually cells, but they're, they're small fragments of cells. All right? So platelets, what they do is they help uh, the clotting pro process in the blood. They help blood clot. It's called coagulation. All right? And what they do is they, they do this by gathering at the site of an injury. Let's say you cut your hand. And what happens is platelets gather, these fragments of cells gather at the site of that injury, and, and they start sticking to the lining of the injured blood cells, okay, the blood vessels, all right? They start sticking to the lining there, and they start to form a, a platform on, from which the blood can coagulate, okay? So coagulation happens. You cut yourself, and immediately platelets go into action, and they, they rush to the site of the wound, and they start forming a platform for coagulation, okay? And everybody knows what this is. You know what happens there. Your blood, it stops bleeding. Why does it stop bleeding? Eventually, it stops bleeding because the platelets are doing their job. Amen? And when they do their job and they start that coagulation process, if you leave it long enough and don't mess with it, it forms a scab. Anybody ever had a scab before? All right, now here's the real question. How many of you have picked a scab before? Yeah. You like picking scabs, don't you? It's fun. You know, ooh, this is good, though. It's fun until you get into the raw part. Whew, that will preach right there. It's fun picking that scab until you hit that live part. Right? Anybody ever do that? And you're like, ooh, ah, mm, no. That's not ready to be peeled off yet. Right? That's a whole other sermon. I cannot go there. Stop, stop, stop. So what happens is the result of this formation of a, is called a fibrin clot, okay, which covers the wound and prevents the blood from leaking out. All right? Fibrin also forms um, the initial scaffolding okay, upon which these new tissues start to form. So there's a healing process that takes place here because there are platelets in your blood. Without platelets, you would be in trouble, right? You'd be in trouble. And so we need that. Look at the scripture in Isaiah 53, 5. Watch this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed 
for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his, say it, wounds, we are. Say it again. And by his wounds, we are healed. Can I say it this way? And by his platelets, we are healed. When Jesus shed his blood, and you need to hold on to this because I'm going to come back to this in just a minute. When he shed his perfect blood, it not only carried the red blood cells and the white blood cells, but it also carried the platelets for your healing. Hmm. I'll say it like this. When Jesus shed his perfect blood, it not only had the red blood cells which brought you life and freedom from your sins. Come on, say thank you, Lord. Aren't you glad that he brought freedom from your sins? He took every sin away. He didn't just cover up the sin like the old covenant blood. No, he took every sin away as far as the east is from the west to be remembered no more. Your sin is gone because of the red blood cells of Jesus' blood. But he also brought healing to your body and to your mind because of the platelets. First uh, Peter 2.24, Peter said this, he said the same thing. He said, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we, we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Okay? Many times, I, I'm going to stop here and say this because this, I think this is very important. Many times the enemy will attack us to distract us. He attacks to distract. Okay? You understand that? Most of the time his attacks... Are to distract. When you're a follower of Jesus Christ, when you're a, a son or a daughter of Jesus, okay, and you have the blood of Jesus flowing through you, the enemy attacks to distract. He wants to take your attention off of what's going on and what he's trying to, to, to do, okay? He is a master of distraction, and he knows if he can get us focused on one thing, that he can catch us off guard over here, Okay? Sometimes Satan will attack you, uh, your physical body. Now watch, he'll attack your physical body right before he attacks your mind. The Lord has good plans for you. How many of you believe that? He has good plans for you. Plans for hope in a future, to prosper you, to bring good things into your life. He has a good plan. He has made you promises. He has made me promises. And the enemy knows those promises. So the enemy will attack your body so that he can attack your mind. Because if he can get you distracted on the physical things that are going on right now. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? He gets you distracted on this and you don't know why this is going on right now. I can't figure this out. Then he's distracted your mind. He'll start attacking your mind because you're thinking more about the physical than the spiritual. How do I know this? Because I have experienced it firsthand many times. Y'all, most of you know my story and know what I went through for a long time. And the enemy will attack the body so that he can go after your mind because when he gets your mind distracted off of the things of God, he knows the word of God says keep your, your sights on heavenly things, your mind on heavenly things, not on the things of the earth. The enemy knows the word better than we do. So he's going after us, trying to attack us, to distract us. And here's another thing. Here's another thing you need to understand. Satan, sometimes Satan will come and attack you 
right before you enter into a new season or right before you step into fulfillment of a promise or right before you're about to have breakthrough. He'll come and attack you right before it happens, right before. Like you're right there. You are right there on the edge about to step off into the promises of God and boom, here comes the enemy attacking you so he can distract you from stepping in. It happens all the time. And we see it in the Word of God. We see it in the Word of God. I want to show this to you. This is really powerful. Let me say this one more thing before I show this to you. Also, the enemy loves to attack us when we're weak. When we're weak, when we're down. (laughs) Right? He wants to attack us when we're weak. I'm going to show you Scripture. You know I am. But I want you to remember this Scripture, 2 Corinthians 12, 19. Jesus said, my grace is all you need. For my power works best in what? It works best in what? That's right. So when the enemy attacks you when you're weak, you know what we should say? Good. Bring it on. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because he's in me, right? His power works best in weakness. But watch this. In Luke chapter 9, I'm going to show you something. Don't put the scripture up there yet. I'm going to show you something. There, you, you'll remember this if you read the word. In Luke chapter 9, there was a, a father who had a son who was demon-possessed, okay? And, and he brought his boy to the, to the disciples to cast the demon out. How many are with me so far? You know what I'm talking about. You know where I'm going, okay? He brought his boy to the disciples to cast the demon out, and they couldn't do it. So Jesus was coming along, and the father ran up to Jesus and said, Listen, my son has been possessed by a demon and and the demon will throw him into the fire and throw him down on the ground and and make him have convulsions and foam at the mouth and all of these things and I brought him to your disciples to cast the demon out and they couldn't do it and so Jesus says to the father this is what he says watch he says oh you faithless and corrupt generation how long must I put up with you how long must I be with you Jesus says this. You can read the whole story, but I'm going somewhere with this. But I just want you to pause there for a second. Take a pause break right there. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt generation, how long must I put up with you? Come on, those are pretty strong words from the Lord, right? And, and, and he's about to, something's about to happen. There's a lot of things to this scripture, but I'm about to show you something that's so powerful. If you'll grab hold of this, if we'll grab hold of this, we'll get set free. Right? So here's what happened. Luke 9.42. Ready? As the boy came forward, the demon knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit and healed the boy. Then he gave him back to his father. Did you see it? Oh. Oh. I underlined it for you. Come on. Did you see it? What happened? Watch. As the boy came forward, oh, come here, Jason. Come here. Hop up here. You're young. You can do it, right? Hop up here. There you go. Yeah. You're Jesus. All right? You're Jesus. Watch. Watch. Boy's way over here. Father had already gone to Jesus, right? Had talked to him. Jesus said, bring the boy here to me. Watch. As the boy came forward. How about this? As the boy got closer to his breakthrough, as the boy got closer to healing, 
As the boy got closer to the promise, as the boy got closer to what was about to happen, what did the demon do? It knocked him to the ground and threw him into a violent convulsion. I'm telling you that the closer you get to your promise, the closer you get to breakthrough, the closer you get to what Jesus had told you would happen in your life, the enemy will come and try to attack you and distract you and tear you down and divert you from the path that you're on. This boy was getting closer, and when he did, the enemy knew his time was up. He's like, I'm about to get cast out of this place. So the enemy threw him down. Oh, come on. How many is going through something right now? You've been going through something. The enemy's been attacking you. I'm telling you right now, you're almost there. You're almost there. You're almost there. If the enemy, if it starts to get worse, you better keep walking closer to your promise. If it starts to get worse, get closer to Jesus. Keep on going. Don't stop. Don't turn around. Don't be distracted. You keep putting one foot in front of the other because I'm telling you, the promise is about to come. Amen. He was almost there. The enemy threw him on the ground, and I love this, but Jesus said, uh-uh, nope, get out. Get out. When it says he rebuked him, that's all Jesus did. Get out. That's all he had to do. And the boy got up, and he gave him back to his father. Whole, healed, healed, well, right? Thank you, Jason. Come on, give Jason a hand again. You, you played a good Jesus right there. You're just silent, strong. Probably the greatest example we have of this, though, that we can see is in Matthew chapter 4. The greatest example of how the enemy will attack us when we're weak. He'll attack us to try to distract us, right? And we, you know where I'm going with this. If you know the Bible, Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, he was about to start his ministry, about to call the disciples, and he went into the wilderness. And the Bible says he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And what happened while he was fasting? As he's coming out of 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, what happened? The enemy, the Bible says, Satan, met him there. Met him there. And he said to him, he said, if you really are the son of God, then turn those stones into bread. He, he attacked him. Jesus was, now I want you to understand this. Yes, he's the son of God, but he was also 100% human. So Jesus was physically weak. 40 days of fasting, his body was weak. We know this, we know this because if you go forward in the, in the story, if you read forward, you see that after he fought the temptations of the enemy off, it says the, that the angels of the Lord came and attended to him, right? The angels of the Lord came and took care of Jesus after he fought the attack of the enemy off. So Jesus was physically weak, and he was feeling all the things that we feel. He was like, man, listen, I want you to know those moments when you're like, Lord, I can't, I can't take it anymore. I can't. I can't go one more day. 
I need to see the promise. I need to step into the promise. I need to step into healing. I need you to come through this, Lord. I need it today. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, it's like I can't. Father, please. I do that. I do that, and then I go, okay, Lord. I know that when I'm weak, you're strong. I love to say what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Amen? Because I want what I want. Anybody want to talk about when I want it? But more than that, I want what he wants when he wants it. Because I know it's going to be perfect. So if you're at that place and you're like, man, I feel this, you need to understand that Jesus felt it too. Jesus felt this too. Don't sit there for a minute and think, oh, 40 days and 40 nights, that was nothing for him. He was the son of God. No, he was weak. And those temptations were hard. And the enemy attacked him and hit him hard. If you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. Here's the thing about it. You, for you, that might not have been a temptation, but for him, it was easy. He could have just said, be bread. He could have just snapped his finger. He could have, done, he could have just spoke it, and it would have become this, the best bread you've ever had in your life. I've said this before, and it was slathered in butter, too, and it was warm right out of the oven because that's what I would have done if I would have made stones into bread, right? He could have done it like that, so it was a great temptation for him. But instead of giving in to that temptation, instead of being distracted by the enemy, okay, he's attacking him to distract him. Instead of being distracted by the enemy, Jesus said, it is written. Oh, he gave him some bread, all right. He gave the enemy some bread. He said, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then he proceeded to, to fight off the other two temptations. But I want you to see that Jesus was in a weakened state when the enemy came to attack him. And not only was he in a weakened state, but listen, he was about to do something miraculous. He was about to go call these disciples, and he was about to change the world. Literally, millions upon millions of people were about to get free and get healed and get their sins forgiven. All of that was about to take place. The enemy attacked Jesus right while he was weak and right before he stepped in to a miracle. And I'm telling you, this is what the enemy does in our lives. And, and so he comes at us during these times when we're weak. He comes at us during times that we have wounds in our lives and things like that are going on. But you need to understand that the blood of Jesus carries supernatural platelets of healing for everything that's going on in your life. Every sickness, every disease, everything that's happening. Whether it's spiritual, whether it's mental, whether it's physical, emotional, healing that you need, the platelets that are in the blood of Jesus are enough for you. Those wounds that you're experiencing right now, that are causing you to make the decisions that you're making and causing you to go in the directions you're going in, those wounds that you just can't seem to get healing from, you need to let the blood of Jesus come with the platelets of healing that will rush to the site of that wound and begin to build a platform, a vibrant clot, a platform for new tissue to form because when that happens, healing will come. Yeah, you may have a scar there that you'll see uh, for, for years to come, but that scar is just going to remind you of what Jesus Jesus did, not what the enemy did. See, Jesus has scars too. 
So here's some questions I have for you. How can God choose not to heal someone when he already purchased their healing? How can he do that? How can God choose not to heal someone? Let me just ask you the next question. Was his blood, Jesus' blood, enough for all sin or just certain sins? Say it again. It was enough for all sin? Okay. So were his stripes that he bore enough for all sickness? Yeah. Right? When he bore stripes in his body, he made a payment for every person on this planet that had ever lived, would live, or would ever live. He made a payment with those stripes. Just like he made a payment when, when he was pierced, he made a payment for not only our sin, but for our sickness and disease as well. No matter where it was, no matter how it was, he released, this is what he did, Jesus on the cross, when he shed the blood, he released supernatural platelets for healing for all time. The blood of Jesus flows, and it flows complete. It flows with the red blood cells, the white blood cells, and the platelets complete. The blood doesn't flow and forgive your sins, but leave the healing part behind. It wouldn't be perfect blood. And let me ask you, is the blood of Jesus perfect? Is it perfect? Then if it's perfect, then the platelets are there for your healing. Amen? You can't have it both ways. I've had people ask me all the time, well, Pastor Bill, why, why do some people get healing and receive healing and some people don't? You know, you're asking the wrong question. Maybe the enemy's trying to distract you with that. Maybe you should just get back to the Word of God and stand upon the truth of the Word of God that Jesus' blood is enough. He shed his blood for your sins. Your sins are no more. You're forgiven. And he shed his blood for your healing as well. Your healing is there. All you have to do is believe. Amen? I, I, I can't answer those questions. I can't. And I don't think those, I think those questions are straight from the enemy. It's just a question. Isn't that what he did in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say? Hello? Isn't that what the enemy did? He's a master of distraction. Did God really say? Did Jesus really take the stripes for all sin, uh, sickness? Did he really? And what the enemy will come in and he'll go, well, then why is so-and-so sick? And why is your daughter sick? And why is your son? And why are you sick in your body? And why can't you get that healing? Why are you still dealing with those symptoms? Why is that still happening in your life? The enemy will come with all the whys and all the questions about the word of God. Listen, it should be a red flag to us right away when the enemy starts questioning the word of God. We should never engage with, in a debate with the enemy there like Adam and Eve did at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Never engage with the conversation. You know what you do to the enemy when he starts saying stuff like that? Boop. Walk away. Walk away. Talk to the hand. Do the kids still say that? Talk to the hand. No? Okay. <clears throat> this is the awesome thing about the supernatural platelets that Jesus released when, with his wounds, okay? He released these before you ever experienced a wound. It's already been done. 
That's why the scripture says, by his stripes we were healed. Were healed. Because he already did it, right? So you and I can experience healing for whatever we're facing because Jesus already provided it when he shed his perfect blood. It's done. Can we just settle that? It's done. Right? If God wants every, if he, Jesus shed his blood so that every person can be forgiven, then Jesus took the stripes and shed his blood so that every person can be healed. Amen? Um, I'm going to say this to you, then I'm just going to move on to plasma, and then we're going to be done for the day. But here's an interesting thing about how platelets are activated. You need to hear this. Okay? This is what happens. As soon as there's a wound, the platelets go into action. Okay? Now watch this. And they change shape to begin healing the wound. This is so good. They go into action as soon as there's a wound. Boom. You cut yourself. How many of you cut yourself chopping up vegetables to cook dinner? Okay? Boom, you cut yourself. Ouch, right? Before you can say ouch, platelets go into action. And they're rushing to the site of the wound. Before you could say ouch, they're already in action. Rushing to the site of the wound. But watch this, platelets change shape depending on the wound. Come on, y'all, that's so good. Are you ahead of me already in this? The blood of Jesus has supernatural platelets because you're like, yeah, but you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what happened to me. You don't know what happened in my life. You don't know the wounds that I have. No, I don't, but Jesus does, and his supernatural blood, his supernatural platelets, they started rushing to the site of the wound before you could even say, ouch. And they started changing shape based on what you went through and what happened to you and started healing that wound well, why am I not healed? Well, why do you keep picking the scab off? I'm just, I'm not experiencing it. I just keep thinking about it. I keep, yeah, you just keep picking and picking and picking and you're just obsessed with that. Instead of trusting that the blood of Jesus is doing its job. Amen? Mm. So, here's the thing I'm going to say to you. Maybe you treat people the way you do because you've never allowed the perfect blood of Jesus to heal that wound. Maybe you isolate yourself from people because you have trust issues, and those trust issues come from a wound that you've never allowed the perfect blood of Jesus to heal. Or maybe you constantly feel the need to build yourself up by telling people how skilled you are and educated you are and, and all the things that you've done in your life and in the past because you have a wound that's, been, that's caused insecurity in you and you don't allow healing to come to that wound. And so you're constantly doing this and that and deflecting and you just need the perfect blood of Jesus to bring his perfect platelets to heal that wound in your heart and then you'll be free. I mean, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired of fighting with those wounds? Aren't you tired of feeling that way? 
Aren't you tired of the lies of the enemy? Aren't you tired of thinking, man, I'm broken, there's something wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Why? Aren't you tired of that? You know, I counsel people all the time who say, I don't understand it. You know, I just want to get connected with people, but I just feel like I can't connect with people. Aren't you tired of the wounds? If you'll just let the blood of Jesus heal those wounds, guess what? Guess what? You're going to feel differently. You'll stop isolating yourself. You'll start getting out there around people. You'll start trusting again. And trust me, I get it. I get it. I've gone through all those wounds and all those trust issues. You know what? Here's the thing. Howard and I were talking about this the other day. Guess what? Life goes on. It's going to keep happening. Look, you're going to get healed. And then guess what? The enemy's going to come and try to attack you again. He doesn't stop once you receive healing. Oh, Howard's healed. I'm going to leave him alone. He's good. He reached the pinnacle. No, that, we never reach the pinnacle until we get to heaven. So until then, we keep going. And when the enemy comes, guess what? Those wounds that we were healed from, that we allowed the blood of Jesus to heal us, we, guess what? They've made us stronger. So when the enemy comes the next time, we go, uh-uh, no, 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 no. I will not be a, a distracted by your attack. I know where, where God's leading me. I know what he's doing in my life. I'm not going to be distracted by that. The last one I want to give you, last component to finish up this message is plasma. Real quickly, Dylan, come on up. Real quickly, plasma is the liquid component of blood, okay, that, that what it does is it serves as a transportation medium for all the other components, okay? So plasma is a mixture of water. This is so good if you're going to... Plasma is a mixture of water, sugar, fat, protein, and salts. That's what plasma is. The main job of plasma is to transport the blood cells and the platelets throughout your body along with the nutrients, the waste products, the antibodies, the clotting proteins, the chemical messengers, uh, such as hormones and proteins and things like that that help maintain your body fluid balance. That's what plasma does. Okay? So, blood is made up of red blood cells, white blood cells, platelets, and plasma. That's what it's made up of. And plasma is pretty much water and sugar and some other things mixed in that transports it through your body. When Jesus was pierced in his side, the Bible says something flowed. What was it? Say it out loud. Blood and water, right? Blood and water. Jesus said this. He said, I am the living water. Amen? Come on, y'all. It doesn't get any better than this. He's the living water. Jesus, his perfect blood, is transported through our body by living water. It's not just water. Do you realize, do you realize if, if one of those components was not in plasma that you would die? Do you realize that? If sugar wasn't in there, you would die. You need sugar. Thank you, Jesus. You need sugar. More Twinkies today during the Lions game. You need sugar. Your cells need sugar. It's true. Your, your cell looks like this 
like this, okay? That's a cell. Got it? There's these, all these little fibrous things, they're hair, like hair-like things off your cell, okay? Right? Do you know what these are? Here's your cell. You know what these are? Sugars. That's what they are. So if you don't have sugar, your cell dies. Jesus' blood is perfect, amen? He created his body perfectly, amen? Okay, so the main job of plasma is to hold it all together. It holds it all together. So watch this, Colossians 1.15. Everybody stand with me. Everybody stand. That's how close I am to closing this. I know you guys are ready for it, so here we go. Colossians 1.15. Watch this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else and watch, he holds all creation together. What did Jesus say? Remain in me and I will remain in you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Come on, grab somebody by the arm like this. Hook arms with them. Say, we are the body.